Welcome back to HR Works Podcast 5-Minute Fridays. I'm your host, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. Is the 8-hour workday dead? Today's guest seems to think so, and perhaps for good. I'm pleased to have with us today Greg Portell. He's the global and America's lead consumer and retail at Carney. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. It's my pleasure. Um, so, do you think that the 8-hour workday is on its deathbed? It's pretty much already left us at this point. The flex work style, the global environment we're in today puts a lot of pressure on those traditional office metrics. Now, I think if you go to a manufacturing environment, you're a little bit closer to a traditional environment, but even that you're now running eight hour shifts at different times of day and things like that. But for a, for a traditional office worker, I think very few of us can count on eight hour work days. A lot of people, it's funny, I had a conversation the other day where you know, someone said that the origin of the eight-hour workday, um, yes, it was during the Industrial Revolution, but may have come out of a, an, an earlier time, a pre, uh, sort of in the colonial era. But does anyone understand why we even had that? Do you know? What was the value? Well, what was the value of it? Um, <laughs> if you go back far enough, a lot of it has to do with daylight. <laughs> right. And the availability of daylight, but I think Marx was the one that started to really count the hours, and then the you know the the traditions kind of took hold elsewhere in the world. It's interesting to think of a lot of ca- of a bunch of capitalists, you know, uh, upholding the ideas of Karl Marx. Well, I think they evolved simultaneously and probably in parallel. Right, right. Were there any advantages in a modern era to? those work days and and what are the disadvantages to leaving it well corporations in particular like structure they like to be able to figure out units of measure and a consistent day was a big big help in that from a calendar scheduling from a pragmatic standpoint from a workload standpoint we live in a very industrial age of business even though we've gone more digital. And what I mean by that is because it's industrial, it is predictable, it is widget-based, and that's what leads you to a very constant eight-hour workday. The digital environment blows that away because you're not as constrained by the same limitations. Yeah, one of the things that I've been seeing in the realm of HR since really the beginning of the pandemic, but it's being reinforced and confirmed, is that employers must be more customizable in the way that they approach their employees. They have to meet, because there's so many different kinds of challenges that so many different individual employees have due to whatever their current situation is, many employers have had to figure out a way to accommodate each individual or accommodate each kind of employee in a way that really was not the case beforehand. And that's something that HR is struggling with for the exact reasons that you say. You know, it's uh, structure is nice when you can create the structure and then stuff everybody into it. That's uh, that's great, but that's just not working now, right? No, it does. It, right, it doesn't work for a couple of different reasons. I mean, the first one is we're in an environment where the employee or the talent is the scarce resource. It used to be the economic capital was the scarcity. Now we have way too much economic capital and not enough talent at the personal level. So organizations have had to flip their traditional view and become an attractor, a magnet for 
talent on a scale they really haven't had to deal with before. And then at the same time, because capital, economic capital is so affordable, we're able to see investments in tools and capabilities that help support a more flexible definition of a workday. One of the things that was frustrating for HR professionals when the pandemic hit was, you know, the sudden um, adoption by leaders of things they'd been saying for a decade, or in some cases, even two decades, you know, hey, we've been giving you this research, it's been done over and over again. Uh, you know, for lots of things, you know, remote work, uh, workplace flexibility, and uh, including for four day work week. Um, and not just for 10 hour days, because I know there's a kind of an obsession with 40 hours uh, by by employers, but four days, eight hours a day has been, you know, researched for, for eons. So here we are at a place where um, successfully researched, I should say, it's shown to be very effective. We're in a, an opportunity to reimagine, reinvent work, but they didn't listen before. And they got it, in my opinion, quite wrong lots of times because they didn't have to. They didn't have to consider the research. Do you think that's going to happen again? Do you think that we're going to emerge from this with a efficient, clean operating system, or do you think it's going to be a giant mess? Well, I think characterizing it as efficient and clean would probably be an oversimplification uh, because we're dealing with a level of speed and frenetic energy that we haven't had to deal with before. But it is amazing, as you note, that all of the rules that used to be unbreakable pre-pandemic are now very easy to break. I mean, heck, we're able to walk around with open containers on streets now. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, we can certainly challenge some of the traditional views of the the workplace and the the unit of work. So I think the the, the imperative to try to create and stimulate new thinking really comes back to having a a creative alternative to to quantify because we still need some sort of quantification and if you think about it as a traditional 32 or 40 hour work week whatever number you want to use as the baseline not all of that time is equally efficient right and you know one of the challenges i would put toward the hr teams is to figure out how to equivalize or equivalent how to how to create some equivalency with the level of effort involved because that will probably be the biggest hurdle to creating an efficient workplace and it's also interesting because you know in a in a traditional business 80% of the talent is functionally aligned. You know, they sit in a in a role, they sit on a in a in a function or a team, whether it's HR, IT, sales, wherever it is. And 20% of the workforce typically works on some sort of special project, whatever it happens to be. And if you think about the way we really work, it's actually inverted the other way. So if you start thinking about work as being 80% special project based, then you can start to use different building blocks to build those teams and to build the construct of work. That's an excellent observation. It has been interesting to see the adjustment in the way that work is done in the sense of moving towards deliverables and outcomes. Um, it's just, it's been fascinating. I Quickly, I want to switch though for our last question to the role of leadership 
in influencing an organization because they're just like there's been a shift from employers kind of having all the power to employees having a ton of power now um bargaining power and the ability to just leave whenever they want and they're doing it without even without jobs lined up which is uh, i think incredible to some people so not not to me it's like some people view it as incredible many people view it as just the way we should be operating yeah i mean it's it's the reality of the situation we're not held captive anymore but another shift has happened with tons of influence and really just leadership power being transferred to HR because when the crap hits the fan, uh, it was HR that came along. It was HR that had the ideas and had the, you know, implemented the policies. And do you think that that's, what do you think that how that's going to shake out over the next couple of years? There's a couple different dynamics to that. One, going back to that concept of industrial developed leadership. I mean, we used to be in an environment where we would be trying to fix, make, and plan things. Everything was predictable. Everything was a widget. I didn't care. If, I don't care if you were working in a bank or you were working on a production line. It was fix, make, plan. Well, the digital era is not that. It is disrupt. It's break. It's create. That's a very different leadership expectation that the next generation of, of corporate executives are going to need to take on. HR is uniquely positioned to be able to steward that change of perspective. So that's the first one. You've got a redefinition of leadership that is really important to have HR nurture, develop, and, and appropriately challenge. The, the other element of this is really how you handle noise in an organization. And it used to be that, think about the, the corporate strategy team. The corporate strategy team was where, you know, they were charged with trying to deploy the resources and the capital of the company in the way that was most effective. Well, going back to that point earlier around economic capital is plentiful talent capital is scarce, all of a sudden the strategic role of HR becomes very important. And as part of that, what we're starting to see as a transition from HR as a noise dampener to HR as a friction enhancer. Because if you think about the traditional role of HR was to keep things quiet, right? Communicate well, mute the noise, kind of create this homogenized corporate environment. And going back to that point of how leadership is changing, we now have a case where you actually want noise, you want friction. You wanna create the spark between the fringe of your organization and the core of your organization, because that's where growth happens, that's where innovation happens. And again, the only people who are well positioned or best positioned to do that are your HR teams. Uh, that's a great answer. Uh, sometimes I like to ask HR people when I'm interviewing them if they think HR should be in charge. And uh, graciously and perhaps out of self-preservation, almost all of them say no. They say no. Yeah, they do because, well, I mean, they're attached to their their name's going to pop up right with their company in the in the article or the interview or whatever. But every once in a while, you'll get somebody that says, yeah, I think we should be. And uh I think they should be too. I think HR and leadership at, should at least be on the same level because financial decisions aren't the only decisions that influence the financial outcome of a company. 
people decisions influence the financial outcomes of companies. When those people work in concert, you can make a lot of money and have a great, a great organization. And when they don't, I think there's just a lot of missed opportunity, a lot of bucks left on the table. One of the observations we try to make when we go in and work with organizations is, is the function offensive or defensive? And HR for a long time in most organizations was very defensive. Yeah. It's increasingly becoming an offensive function, a differentiator. And where you're going to start seeing those individuals get elevated is when they can demonstrably change the trajectory of a company. And that is difficult to do no matter where you're coming from. And also not something that's typically encouraged as you're advancing through the HR function. Very true. Well, unfortunately, that's about all the time that we have today. But thank you again so much for... We've gone over our five-minute Fridays. I know. I know. They're getting increasingly longer. Uh, Five minutes isn't enough. But 15-minute Friday, I guess that could work. There you go. As a title, too. The unit of measure is how long it takes you to make a good cocktail. (laughs) Well, I'm terrible at making cocktails. I could cook you a fine meal, but uh, for some reason, I just don't have the cocktail skills. Um, I I certainly hope you're all enjoying these smaller episodes. Remember, you can always follow us on Twitter at HRWorks Podcast, and we are also now available available on Spotify and Audible. Thank you so much for listening. This is Jim Davis with HRWorks.